You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello and welcome. Today I'll be reading Denouement, Part 9 of the Good Books Bad Movie series, written by Amelia Clark. This fic is rated explicit. The pertinent tags for today's fic include fluff and smut, moving in together, blowjobs, sex toys, dom-sub undertones. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Denouement Part 9 of the Good Books, Bad Movies series Written by Amelia Clark Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein Summary Despite the speed of his courtship with Cass, Dean had never really believed in love at first sight. Sure, something had happened to them right away, sparking between them in that handshake neither could let go. That something wasn't capital L love, but it didn't have to be to have changed their lives irrevocably. He had read a few novels where instant devotion worked as a trope, but he remained skeptical in real life until Linda Tran unlocked the front door of the little gray house, and he had to reconsider that notion. Kevin's mom, Linda, had come into the bookstore two days before to give her son a ride home. His moped was on the fritz again. While Kevin dawdled over the ARC shelf in the back room, she leaned on the counter and proceeded to interrogate Dean thoroughly in the guise of catching up. As usual, 
he found himself answering her questions before he thought about whether they were inappropriate. He still couldn't figure out how she did that, but suspected it might be a superpower. So when Linda asked, And how's that tattooed dreamboat I saw you with on Tumblr? He had told her about Cass and their imminent cohabitation before he even thought to wonder aloud, Wait, you're on Tumblr? I run one for our corgi, Joan Watson. She's also very popular on Instagram, Linda said airily, waving her words away even as she said them. More importantly, it's your lucky day, because I happen to be the best damn real estate agent in the county. Don't talk to anyone else, Dean. You know I'll find you two the perfect place. Let me think. You're looking for a two-bedroom? Or wait, I know, she said with a sly smile. I should show you the library house. The library house, he repeated. I gotta admit, that sounds intriguing. But Cass can't get to town to house hunt with me for another week. What's the harm in looking? She responded, crooking an eyebrow. That's what he thought about Cass, too, and you see how that went, Kevin said as he joined them. Come on, Mom, stop trying to sell my boss a house. I am trying to buy a house, dude, Dean told him, though that wasn't strictly true. Cass would be ponying up most of the down payment. There was still a part of Dean that felt shitty about that, but he was ignoring it as hard as he could. See, he doesn't mind, Kevin, said Linda. She reached over the counter to grab a piece of scratch paper and scribbled down an address. Come see this house, Dean. You won't regret it, and neither will your beau. They found a time that worked for both of them, and Dean was actually early, though not earlier than Linda, who was sitting on the stoop playing Neko Atsume on her phone. She grinned and waved when she saw him, then stuck out her hands. I need you to get me up, she said ruefully, and he obliged. Rising with a creak of tendons, she dug the keys to the house out of her purse and cocked an eyebrow. Ready? Dean nodded. The house looked nice from the outside, if unassuming. Two stories, shuttered windows, a wraparound porch, all painted dove gray with white trim. It's two bedrooms, two full baths, said Linda as she unlocked the deadbolt. Finished basement, original hardwood floors, and all the appliances were replaced about five years back. But that's not why you'll love it. She flung the door open with a flourish and motioned Dean inside. The first thing he saw was bookcases. Built in, floor to ceiling, with mullioned glass doors, they stretched along all four walls of the front room, interrupted only by windows. Awestruck, he stepped further into the room, spinning slowly to take it all in. Then he saw through a doorway that the next room, too, was lined with bookcases. He turned to look at Linda with wide eyes. Wow, was all he managed to say. I know, right? The couple who built the house were both librarians, and they needed the space just like you and Castiel. There are bookcases in every room, even the bathrooms. And there's a shelf over the stove for cookbooks if you want. Perfect, right? Beckoning Dean to follow, she started a slow ramble through the ground floor. Dean trailed in her wake, 
one hand brushing along the front of the bookcases. Yeah, it really is, Linda, said Dean with effort. I have goosebumps, see? Linda laughed and patted his bristling forearm. You know everyone else I've shown this house to immediately wants to tear all the bookcases out? I'm so glad no one decided to go for it, so I could save it for you. You deserve nice things, Dean. That's what they tell me, Dean said. In a world we can call our own You'll find shelter our land Where I'll always promise to Never let me They bought the house Cass bought the house, whispered a voice in Dean's head. Because he wanted to, said another, more logical whisper. Because he wants to live with you. Castiel had been even more gobsmacked than Dean by what he deemed the perfection of the library house. It's like it was built specifically for us, Dean. We can shelve by subject. Library of Congress, maybe? In fact, he'd been so excited by the prospect of organizing their books that he accidentally locked the two of them in a closet, kissing Dean breathless while a not-at-all-fooled Linda searched for the key. On a balmy day in early June, Castiel pulled his U-Haul up to the curb out front and parked behind his own sob, back seat stuffed full. His publicist Meg was perched on the hood smoking a cigarette. She'd driven it down from Pontiac for him, despite his protest that it was well out of her job description. Eh, it's a day out of my life to make sure you're settled, she shrugged. You gotta remember, Angel, you're one of our biggest names. Keeping you happy is my job description. Thanks again, Meg, he said. Was the drive all right? She exhaled, turning her head away from him. Sure, it's a good little car, she said. Pretty beat, though. Do you mind if I don't carry a lot of heavy shit? As far as I'm concerned, you don't have to carry anything, said Cass. If you want to, though, there's some bags of clothes that probably don't weigh much. Sounds good. She licked her fingers and snuffed her half-burned cigarette, stuck it in the pocket of her leather jacket. The front yard was already bustling. Dean had been persuaded to close the store early, so his whole staff, even weekend part-timer Chrissy, could show up to lend a hand. At Castiel's arrival, Charlie put down the box she was carrying, unsurprisingly marked books, and ran to give him a hug. You're here! Happy housewarming, dude! Thanks, said Cass, remembering at the last minute to hug back. I can't believe you're wasting a day off helping us move, Charlie. Oh, I'm not doing it for you, she shrugged. It's all in the service of true love. Plus, I get pizza and beer out of the deal. Those are the rules. Fair enough, said Cass. Is Dean inside? Yeah, I think he and Kevin are setting up y'all's bed, she said. Cass nodded approvingly. He and Dean had decided to use the Ikea bed Cass had bought on his first visit, 
though Cass's bed was objectively nicer. We'll be like Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway, sleeping together in the second best bed, Dean had said while sprawled naked and sated across said piece of furniture. And Cass, overcome with sentiment, had kissed him and kissed him, until they were both hard and aching again. Navigating through a warren of boxes, it looked like Dean had gotten sick of writing books at some point, progressively dropping letters until several of them were just marked with a sharpie scrawled B, Cass headed for the master bedroom. Even if he hadn't known where it was, he could have just followed the sound of Dean's voice, cutting through the bustle of the move with a gruff, God damn it! Suppressing a smirk, he leaned on the door jamb with his hands in his back pocket, taking it in. His man, in their room, struggling to screw their headboard to the rest of the bed. Hello, Dean, he said, having some technical difficulties. Dean pushes his sweaty hair out of his eyes and grins, salutes him with the screwdriver. Hey, baby, he said. Yeah, I don't think this bed was actually designed to be moved. One of the slats sort of crumbled when we shoved it in the back of the car, but I think I glued it back together okay. How the fuck did you put this thing together by yourself? Kevin and I have been at this for an hour. I'm good with my hands, I guess, Cass said with a shrug and raised an eyebrow. Hardy har, said Kevin. Come over and do this, then. I'll go help Anna unload the kitchen stuff, and you guys can... I mean, it's your room now. You can do whatever. Just don't, you know, keep doing it while the rest of us work, okay? He didn't close the door behind him, and tempting as it was to lock everyone out and go to town on each other, Cass left it open, though he kissed Dean thoroughly before bending over the half-assembled bed frame. I think this is backwards, he said. What if we flipped it over like this? Dean crowed in triumph. That's it, damn, you're brilliant. Dean kissed him on the mouth, then after a glance over his shoulder, on the underside of his jaw. Would you look at that? Now it goes in just fine. That's what she said? Cass offered, and Dean gave him an unimpressed look. All right, funny man, hold those steady and we'll be done in no time. No time turns out to be another twenty minutes, and by that time the others have carried in most of their remaining possessions. Another hour and the furniture's in, Charlie's hooked up the router, and they're all sitting in what will become the living room, on a chair or a box or the floor, gathered around a stack of pizza boxes like a bonfire. Chrissy rolled her eyes when Anna handed her a Coke from the cooler instead of a beer. Thanks, Mom, she muttered. Ah, oh, don't even say that as a joke. I'm a cat mom, not a human one. Dean's nurturing. He can be your work mom. And I'll be your cool aunt. Cool ants let you drink, said Chrissy in a sing-song. So does my actual mom when I'm at home. You're being my grandma right now. Dean, said Anna, are you going to sit here and listen to this rank insubordination? Give her a demerit or something. It's true, you're fired, said Dean with a grin. Chrissy stuck out her tongue at him. I want to be a cool aunt too said Charlie, picking pepperoni off of her pizza slice and placing it on the side of Kevin's plate. One gay, one straight, the best of both worlds. Dean smothered a laugh in his beer. I wouldn't call Anna straight exactly. How many times did you hook up with Ruby our sophomore year? 
sure, said Anna dismissively, but we were always on... Line! Charlie jumped in with a significant glance at Chrissy. Anna, no one wants to hear about your gross 90s cybersex. How long did it take to download a nude back then? Like a week? Anna socked her in the arm. Charlie retaliated in kind. Honestly, you two remind me more of my cousins, said Chrissy. Are they cool? asked Charlie, hopefully. One of them's a stage magician, and the other one's an elevator inspector. So they're super cool, you're saying? Meg drained her beer and set the bottle down on the mantelpiece. I have to run, Castiel, she said, giving him a hug. One of my mystery debuts is doing a Skype session with a book club, and I need to save them from answering the same question half a dozen times. She wrinkled her nose. I have to shower first, though, or they'll be able to smell me through the ether. She smelled just fine, actually kind of sexy, vanilla tinged with salt, but Cass didn't mention it. Thanks for your help today, he said into her hair. You're the best. That I am, she said, patting his cheek. Take care of him, Dean, okay? He's precious cargo. I know, Dean said. Thanks. Meg's departure broke up the party. Kevin took off on his Vespa, Charlie clinging to his back. Anna left to walk home, and Chrissy's mom showed up soon after. And then Dean closed the front door behind them, and they were alone. Alone, in the house they owned together. Dean strolled over to Cass, sprawled out on the couch, and tumbled into his lap, one knee nudging between his thighs. We did it, he said, ruffling Cass's hair. We live together. And we have all the time in the world not to fuck, Cass said with a smirk, shoving both hands down the back of Dean's jeans. Totally optional. Yep, no need to rush, said Dean, and pulled Cass's shirt over his head. Definitely no reason to do it right here when our bed's all set up in the next room. Cass kissed him, hard, pushing his tongue deep into Dean's mouth. He unzipped Dean's fly and tugged his pants down enough to get a better grip on his ass. No reason at all, he mumbled. Take your shirt off. Dean obliged, pressing his knee more firmly into Cass's hard dick and licking his ear. I want to suck your cock, baby, he said breathlessly, unbuckling Cass's belt. There's a surprise. Shut up, you love it. Dean sank to his knees in front of the couch and worked Cass's pants and boxers down to his ankles. He trailed wet kisses over Cass's hip bones, fingers fluttering light and easy over his cock. I love it, too. It's perfect. Your cock is perfect. Cass moaned as Dean took him into his mouth with a pleased hum. Dean reached over for his hand and put it on the back of his head. 
Fuck my face, Dean said, and then licked up the length of Cass's dick. Mess me up. I want it rough. You usually do, panted Cass, thrusting up as he held Dean's head in place. Dean made a noise of pure satisfaction and closed his eyes, sucking eagerly as Cass's cock prodded at the back of his throat. Your mouth was made for this, Cass whispered. Maybe. Dean's heard that before. From women, too. But in this case, he's pretty sure it's Cass who's made for this, whose dick was designed to fit so well in Dean's mouth, so sweet and right. Dean tried to swallow around him, gagged, got through it. He grabbed Cass's hand again, not sure whether he wanted his hair pulled harder or his face forced further against Cass's pelvis. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm gonna come, said Cass. Can I, can I come on your face? Dean pulled off quickly, replacing his mouth with his hand, jacking Cass fast and steady until he came with a cry over Dean's lips and chin. Dean licked up as much as he could. I love how you taste, he said. I love how you feel. I love you, Castiel. I love you too, said Cass, his hand in Dean's hair gentle now. He gathered up his own cum from Dean's cheek and slid it lazily over his bottom lip. Get up here so I can show you. Dean climbed back on top of him, getting his shoes off on the way so Cass could remove his jeans and arrange him on his hands and knees on the couch, bent over one arm. I'm going to make you come without touching your cock, growled Cass. Uh, if you know where we packed the lube. <laughs> Dean said. Check my jeans pocket. Lube retrieved. Cass parted Dean's ass cheeks and brushed the pad of his thumb over Dean's hole. Speaking of perfection, he muttered and dove in with his mouth. Ah, oh, holy fuck! Gasped Dean as he pushed back into Cass's tongue. Cass, that feels so damn good. Cass grunted in agreement, slurping at Dean's hole until his tongue slipped into him. True to his word, he didn't touch Dean's dick, but his hands roamed the rest of his body, pinching nipples, stroking over his skin until Dean shivered. Cass didn't move his head away while he slicked his fingers up with lube, and slowly slid in two at once, still licking at Dean's rim while he zeroed in on his prostate. You like that? He purred. You like it when I fuck your ass, however I do it. You can, oh fuck, you can fuck me however you want. I'm putting you in charge. Stay here for a minute. Cass fumbled for Dean's hand, urged him to finger himself. It wasn't the same, but Dean did what he could, pumping his fingers in and out until Cass returned, and he felt an unexpected pressure nudging against him. Shit, is that a dildo? It is indeed, Cass purred. Found it while I was packing. I'd like to fuck you with it until you come all over yourself. Turn me over then. Like this, I'm just going to come all over the couch. Fair enough. Cass flipped him and kept working the dildo into his ass. Don't touch yourself and don't touch me, he said. Hold on to the arm of the couch so you're not tempted. Yes, sir, Dean gasped. He spread his legs wider, 
hooking one over the back of the couch and putting the other foot on the floor. This gave him the leverage to fuck back onto the dildo, meeting Cass thrust for thrust. Oh, fuck, that feels good. You look so good from here, Dean, Cass said, voice awestruck. You're so fucking greedy for it, so hungry to be stuffed full. Your dirty talk has really improved, baby, was the last complete sentence Dean managed to get out before his eyes rolled back in his head and he just started chanting meaningless syllables. Cass stooped to kiss him as he came and then cleaned him off thoroughly with his tongue, easing the dildo out of him. One room down, said Cass. Kitchen next, do you think? I'd like to fuck you bent over the counter. You got it, said Dean. Nap time first. I'm exhausted. Manual labor and an orgasm will do that. Before lying down, though, Dean rummaged through a box he hadn't opened for years, full of things that reminded him of his parents, that he couldn't get rid of but didn't want to look at every day. His dad's journal, his mom's handwritten recipe for apple pie, a newspaper-wrapped object his hand knew instantly. Oh, shit, I thought I broke this, he said, uncovering a slightly chipped ceramic statue. It's a little toe-headed angel, bare feet crossed and wings rising from its back in the shape of a heart. That looks like something they'd find drugs in in an episode of CSI, said Cass. Hey, said Dean. My mom gave this to me when I was a kid. We never went to church that often, but she always told me angels were watching over me. He set the statue down on the windowsill above their bed. Cass kissed him on the cheek. Sorry. You know I'm named for an angel, right? Angel of Thursday. Shield of God. Watch over me, then, he said with a yawn. Be my angel. Always, said Cass. I'm always yours. The End Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening.